Welcome to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast. We are always ready, always there. This podcast series is a production of the State Public Affairs Office. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Master Sergeant Charles Johnston with Public Affairs. And today we're going to be talking with members of the Wellness Division, the New Hampshire Army National Guard Wellness Division. And I'm joined by Mr. Troy Townsend, also a Lieutenant Colonel, newly promoted. Congratulations. Second Lieutenant Victoria Cantalupo, just got your commission uh, earlier this year. Congratulations. And Second Lieutenant Jessica Kilpatrick, who's joining us remotely via Zoom. Thank you for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having us. I am Second Lieutenant Victoria Cantalupo. I am the full-time specialty branch technician, which just means that I process all of the specialty branch direct commission applications. And part-time, I am a chaplain candidate, which means I'm in a student status for seminary students while they study to become chaplains. Mr. Townsend, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Gladly. I have the privilege of serving the Army National Guard in two capacities, actually, Monday through Friday as a civilian, as the Director of Psychological Health. And then come drill weekend, I get to put on my uniform as Lieutenant Colonel Townsend now and serve as a behavioral health officer, a social worker, um, and the chief of case management in our medical detachment. Awesome. Lieutenant Kilpatrick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I am currently training to be a social worker in the National Guard. I'm currently at a active duty program, which is really awesome. And I've been serving in the Guard for about nine years. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, Mr. Townsend, I'd love if you can start us off with some of the services that your um, full-time position offers to currently serving members. Yeah, so I am available Monday through Friday, ready to respond to any soldiers in need, whether that's just coming forward voluntarily to seek some guidance and referrals, questions, how to deal with day-to-day life events that happen to all of us. Uh, There could be crisis intervention that occurs as well. Um, And also command consultation is significant to help our leaders be aware of how to best support soldiers in need and to sustain their careers. Awesome. I know that this is something that probably crosses a lot of minds when they're thinking about whether it's time to reach out to you or someone from your office. Could you explain your role in confidentiality and mandated reporting? I can. You're right. That is a very common question that comes up with folks that may be apprehensive about coming forward and seeking assistance. Um, And yes, the reality is as a licensed medical professional, I am required under mandatory um, mandatory requirement laws to report any risk to oneself or harm to others. And then and there's also also reporting about vulnerable adults, elderly, or children. And then also with the military, I have a requirement specifically on the military side in regards to the risk of the mission. And that's something that comes down to can a soldier safely function in their uh, primary duty MOS, whether that's handling a firearm, operating heavy equipment, or even flying a helicopter. So all things that need to be carefully considered in regards to an individual safety, but also ultimately the safety of the American people that I need to be looking out for. It's very rare that I have to uh, execute on uh, one of those informed consents without uh, somebody um, consenting to let me tell their command. Yeah, of course. Those things are super important. 
I would say maybe somewhere equally important is your uh, furry companion that is with you in the office. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Happy to. I'm, I have the privilege of bringing my therapy dog, Cash, to work with me. Uh, she's available to roam the hallways, be a visit with folks, take treats, and just provide love and comfort to others as they may be encountering some difficulties in their day. Yes, Cash is awesome. She's been featured all over all of our socials, our magazine. She's a full bird colonel now because the uh, dog outranks the handler by one rank typically. So she also got promoted very recently. Um, now, you're a licensed clinical social worker, another path to becoming a behavioral health officer on the Army side, on the drill side, is to become a clinical psychologist. Um, and in your experience, can you tell us a little bit about the differences of those two behavioral health officers in the Army? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. There are those two disciplines, clinical psychologist and clinical social worker. Um, at the end of the day, both their primary job is to help keep soldiers in the fight, help them sustain their military careers, continue on. They raise their hand. There's so few people do these days. So we want to help keep those soldiers in and sustaining their military careers. Um, the difference between the social worker and psychologist is that psychologist put in the extra time, got their doctoral degree, and they get to add that uh, to a few extra evaluations they can uh, conduct, uh, psychological testing to help with better diagnostic um, impressions. And uh, the, 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 that extra degree uh, adds a lot more weight for some commanders uh, in their decision-making process. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a different license, so you can see it in different ways. So I definitely get that. Um, I do want to speak a little bit about the differences in the requirements of those two positions. Mm. So on the Army National Guard side, the two direct commission pass, which, by the way, means you don't go to boot camp, which is great. Um, to becoming a behavioral health officer, the first being a licensed clinical social worker. To serve in that capacity, you do need a master of social work. It's typically 60 credits. Um, and you need a license to individually practice. And those requirements vary state by state. But typically, that license in New Hampshire is the LCSW. Is that correct? Am I saying those letters right? Welcome to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast. In New Hampshire, that's the one. <laughs> we Sometimes are always ready, always there. Oh, okay, cool. I guess that was the other. I always add an I somewhere. This podcast series is a production of the State Public Affairs Office. Um, so yes, the license that allows you to individually practice in your state. So in New Hampshire, that's the LCSW. That second path of becoming a licensed clinical psychologist, you also need a license to individually practice. And the degree that's required is either a PsyD or a PhD in clinical psychology that is from an APA accredited program, which means that it has that one year specialized internship for those clinical hours. Um, and there are actually a couple different ways to get those degrees in New Hampshire. There are three or four different MSW paths at UNH, which is tuition-free to our service members, but also now uh, tuition-free to the spouses of those service members, which is excellent. And then for the clinical psychology, there is only one program in all of the public and private schools in New Hampshire that offer the PhD in clinical psychology or the PsyD in clinical psychology, and that is Antioch University. They are a yellow ribbon school, so while their tuition isn't waived under our state laws, you can use your federal tuition assistance, your GI Bill to cover costs at that program as well. And both of these positions offer annual bonus rates from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per year. That's dependent on which path you choose, and then student loan repayment of seventy-five to two hundred and fifty thousand per year, depending on the degree. 
Another way that you could obtain an MSW is through the Army University of Kentucky program. This is an active duty program that the Army National Guard typically gets five seats to per year. It is super competitive on the active duty side. If accepted, you would spend 14 months in Texas obtaining the accelerated MSW, and then you would come home and complete your licensing hours in a 26-month internship at a VA hospital. During all that time, you are put on active duty, and your only job is to finish this program. I think it's just like so crazy that there's even money for this. It's amazing. Um, and the reason that Lieutenant Kilpatrick is here is because she is the National Guard student that is in that program right now. So, Lieutenant Kilpatrick, can you tell us about a typical day that you would experience in the academic phase that you're in right now? Yeah, so there's basically like four quarters. They're not typical of like academic semesters, but the first quarter is you do back-to-back -back classes. So because you're still in the Army, you still have to go to morning PT. And then you start classes at 8.30 and you have classes until 1600, so 4 p.m. And it's Monday through Thursday. And then that's the first quarter. And then the second quarter, you are placed at your practicum or your field placement where you're either at a clinic in like on post through the Brook Army Medical Center or clinics at on post or even in the community. So you can do things like homeless, um, homelessness clinics, as well as hospice care, family services, anything you can think of um, within the community. And then you come back to classes for about another 14 to 15 weeks. And that's your second year, if you will. Um, and then your last quarter is your advanced field placement, again, either at inner clinics or outlying clinics off post. Awesome. That's awesome. And then when you come back to New Hampshire, what have you been told that's going to look like for you? So the VA, I'm going back to the VA, of course, to get my clinical hours. I believe New Hampshire needs 3,000. Thankfully, I'm on orders for 26 months to get those hours done and paid for by the Army, which I'm very grateful. And I will be rotating through clinics every three to four months to make sure I cover all of the, the clinical outreach and like inpatient and outpatient services that social workers provide to veterans and their spouses through the VA. That's awesome. Yeah. And so the Army pays for those clinical hours because it costs money on the civilian side to be supervised. And a lot of internships you can get after college can pay for them. So if you go to UNH and do the MSW program there, there are options. The VA has its own internship. But a lot of the time you are practicing under somebody else's license, the way I understand it, to get those 3,000 hours completed for that individual uh to practice individually for that license. So it is a huge deal that one, you're getting paid to do those hours and two, you're not paying for the hours yourself. So that is super awesome. Uh, Lieutenant Kilpatrick, can you tell me the yeah. one or two things you are most excited about for when you actually become a social worker for the Army National Guard? Sure, um, I'm very excited to be advocating for soldiers um, on behalf of soldiers, because I feel though as though a lot of times command or their chain of command may not necessarily be as open 
to talking with the soldier about it or their situation going on in their either their personal or professional lives as well as directing them to resources that they I feel like in the guard a lot of times they don't know are available to them and I think that's really important so they may be feeling like they're stuck in a rut but um and not know of these resources but if they come to myself or Mr. Townsend they can be pointed in the right direction and feel like they're actually able to do something about their situation which I think is really empowering. Yeah I agree. Um, What would be your message to our currently serving members who might be hesitant to reach out for behavioral health services, Lieutenant? Uh, Well, I think there's still a stigma in the military about receiving mental health and behavioral health services. It's lessening, which is great. Um, But reiterating what Lieutenant Colonel Townsend said about privacy and confidentiality. So unless your command referred, your command won't know you're there. You won't. They won't know that you're seeking services. And very rarely do we have to tell the command that you're there or that the reason why you're there. So I think that is super important for soldiers coming forward to get the services and the help that they need, because there's a lot of times they're they're fearful of maybe some sort of um, what is it called retaliation. Sorry. Yeah. From command, they are coming to see help. Yeah, that's a really important distinction. I think we just need to say that one more time. Mr. Townsend, can you just sum up briefly about when your command needs to be aware and when your command doesn't need to be aware that you're seeking behavioral health services? That's right. Yeah. So it's really only if there is an imminent risk to oneself or somebody else, there can be a historic act of uh, safety that doesn't have to um, trigger immediate command notification. And that's for us to clinically decide uh, what that boundary looks like and to analyze with the individual. So there's much of what is involved in our clinical interactions stays private and confidential. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Do you have anything else to add to a message to the currently serving members of why they should come see you when they need to, if they think they want to, or just to come say hi to Cash? No, I would. Actually, Lieutenant Kilpatrick said it so well, but I'll reiterate, first and foremost, I get it. I understand that fear and that it's real and it's valid. And I wouldn't judge anybody for being cautious about proceeding. Um, But I hope to earn their trust. And I know my whole behavioral health team hopes to earn the trust of each soldier and our community um, to enhance that early preventative access. Because accessing early is the key to uh, reducing those negative significant impacts on one's career. Yeah, agreed. I would also like to add, if you think you're going through something that seems super minor, literally we hire professionals to just talk with you about it. Like I had some very small like family issue when I was on COVID orders and somebody asked me about it who was here as a social worker and they said, hey, would you like me to just sit down and listen to what's going on? I was like, honestly, I would love a third party just to tell me I'm not crazy and I'd love to go pet cash any time of day. She is obviously an asset to us. Um, so I would just like to give out the contact info for your office, sir, if you could do that for us. I would. The easiest way to find me is to actually Google Ooh. Troy Townsend, New Hampshire Army National Guard. And the first link that will pop up will give you a picture of me and Cash, along with actually a picture of the Director of Psychological Health for the Air National Guard, 157th Wing as well, Don Roussel, my, my good colleague for the Air Guard. 
Perfect. Awesome. Is your contact info on that link as well? My email, my phone number, everything is right there. Beautiful. Beautiful. And if any professionals are listening in, if you are interested in social work or clinical psychology, I would be the person to contact Second Lieutenant Victoria Canalupo. My cell phone number is 603-545-7319. We could also put my email, which is super long, in the podcast notes. But if you also Google New Hampshire Army National Guard social work, my website should be the first thing that pops up as well. And our meeting is up with uh, Lieutenant Kilpatrick, so uh, that's a nice organic place to stop. I think we got everything in. I appreciate you joining the show today. Uh, Serious business, important topic matter, as important as any show we've done. And it's really amazing to have not uh, one, not two, but three uh, professionals to join the show and, and talk a little bit about it and get some additional information out there. So thank you for joining the show. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast. I tried to talk about cash as much as I could. I was like, how do I liven this up? (laughs) She's the only thing. (laughs) Uh.